series on activating agreements, activating agreements. There's uh, things you think all through the day, all through the week. Uh, some things are true, and we want to agree with those and act like, live like, speak like. We agree with what God's truth says. Satan also offers you lies. And uh, he wants you to agree with him. Now, we would never just out and out say, oh, yeah, I believe Satan is the truth. But we do tend to agree with him on some ways and some ways. And we act those ways, talk those ways, believe those ways, even though it's very, very subtle oftentimes for those of us who are Christians in our life. It's going to be the last um, message, I think, in this series on activating agreements. And so here's the last one. Look, if you will, in Psalm chapter 37, verses 23 and 24. We're going to stick with this one verse this morning, kind of dig in deep and see what the Lord has for us today. You ready to hear God's word? Say amen. All right. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. So we've been talking about uh, agreement, believing truth, the, that God speaks truth, and we want to agree and believe and act that way, and uh, yet Satan gives us falsehoods, lies that he wants us to agree with. I was reading a story of a lady named Jody Berry. Jody Berry worked at a restaurant, and uh, the uh, owner of the restaurant told them that they were going to do uh, something special. And what this special thing was that the person who sold the most of a particular item would win a Toyota. And so uh, they went in all in, and, uh, and Jody Berry won. And she was so excited, she couldn't wait. And so they blindfolded her and uh, took her out into the parking lot to see her new Toyota that she had won. And so when she got out to the parking lot, uh, they gave her this Toyota. It is a toy Yoda. Yoda is a character from the Star Wars uh, uh, motion picture, and so they gave her a toy Yoda. Yoda was, Jody did not see the humor in it at all. She was not happy, and they reached an out-of-court settlement. <laughs> she no longer uh, works there. So she believed it was an April Fool's joke. She did not get the joke at all. So we're going to talk about truth and, and, and lies today. We've been talking about this. We talked about agreements about death, how some people agree with Satan that death is just something not to think about. Just something to pretend it's not going to happen, not to worry about. And we see that God says if we trust Him, give our heart and life to Him, that death is the best thing that will ever happen to you besides getting saved. Death is actually your doorway into eternity that will blow your mind. We saw uh, last week that uh, Satan wants us to believe that living half-hearted for Jesus is good enough. Just skate by, half-hearted, don't give it your all. And, uh, and we saw yet that Jesus is worth our all, right? Whatever you do, do it with all of your mind. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Well, this morning I'm going to talk about another failure, and this failure is this. We're going to wrap up this series with failures, uh, I mean agreements about failures. What do we do when we don't do the thing God wants us to do? What do we do when we agree with Satan or live like, um, live like we are not believers, live like we're the, the world? So what do we do when we fail and fail miserably? Well, when we fail and we sin and we do things that we know God doesn't like and we, uh, we may, maybe we embarrass ourselves, maybe we hurt other people, maybe we hurt our witness. When you do that, know Satan is right there to offer you an agreement. He's right there. The agreement Satan wants to offer you is something like this. Boy, you really ought to be disappointed in yourself. You should just quit. You're a terrible 
Christian, and you really shouldn't talk about Jesus anymore. I mean, if you try to talk about Jesus now, nobody's really going to believe you. And you should just quit going to church. You can't serve God anymore. You have absolutely blown it. That's what Satan wants you to do. Now, how many of you know that if you've just given your heart and life to Christ, somebody was just baptized this morning or you've been baptized this year, you're going to fail sometimes. Going to sin, even with your best intentions, you're going to fail, you're going to sin, you're going to mess up. And understand, this is what Satan uses against you. He wants to discourage you, wants to beat you down. And yet what God wants you to do is to understand that God uses flawed and sinful people for his glory. You cannot outsin God's grace. Can somebody say thank you, Lord? You cannot outsin God's grace. Look, if you will, in Psalm 37, 23, and 24, it says, The steps of a good man. Now we're talking about a person who loves God, a person who wants to please God, who wants to serve God. His steps are directed. God will direct you if you want him to. And God delights in your way, and though, though he or she fall, and fall you will. Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him. The Lord upholds him with his hand. I hope that verse encourages you. I hope that verse gives you uh, a reason to keep going today. I hope that verse gives you some, some hope that God still loves you. God still wants to use you. You haven't outsinned God's grace today. And so I want to encourage you with this about our, fail, our, our, our agreements around failures. And so what I'm going to say today is this. What I'm going to say today is this. When you fail, we look at this verse. And this verse is going to help us in a couple of ways. This verse is going to show us that when we fail, God can use that to empty us of our pride. The emptiness of our pride. God can use that to encourage us to persevere. And then we're going to see that God can use that to help us to point people to Jesus. All right, first of all, God uses our failure to empty us of pride. If we, if we are serious about serving God, serious about following Jesus, there are times we'll get to thinking that, well, you know, I'm starting to grow a little bit. <laughs> and uh, I've had some good quiet times this week, and I shared my faith this week, and, and I was nice, that person wasn't nice to me this week, and, and I'm kind of getting a handle on this Christian thing. You know, I think I'm, I think I'm really starting to, to, to kind of get the hang of this. Understand, we never get the hang of it. We cannot live the Christian life in our self. We cannot live it in our own flesh. Our flesh never improves. We have to choose to say, Lord, I want to deny myself. Let Christ be on the throne of my heart. Let Christ rule my life and let him live in and through me. Now watch what it says again, Psalm 37, 23, and 24. The steps of a good man, not a perfect man, but a person who loves God, ordered by the Lord, God delights in his way, Though he fall, everybody say, though he fall. Though he fall. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And though we don't want to, and though we try not to, and though we trust God uh, that we don't fall as much, and we don't sin as far, and that kind of thing, we repent quicker. Though, though all of those things, we still have to come to the grips of the fact that we do fall. And we do sin, and God wants us to help us, uh, to empty us of our pride. Try to remember who wrote the Psalm 37. So, uh, David wrote Psalm 37. David 
fell. <laughs> they was guilty of murder, guilty of lying, guilty of adultery. And so the person who wrote the psalm, though he fall, would understand that in his life. He would understand what that means. And, and, and we want to be sure this morning as we think about though he fall as Christians, sometimes we get the idea that, boy, if everybody be like us, this world would be such a better place. If everybody would be like Christians, the, the world out there, they're, they're, they're the big bad guys out there. And boy, we're the good guys in here. Everybody be like us. But guys, our history is not that great. I was listening to a Christian historian, a guy named John Dixon. Uh, he's an Australian. And um, as a Christian historian, they had a debate a while back in Australia. And in the debate, the question was, has Christianity done more harm than good in the world? Has Christianity done more harm or more good in the world? And they surveyed people coming into the debate and going out, asking them, has Christianity done more harm or more good in the world? And then they had three academians, smart people. Three argued that Christianity had done more harm. Three argued that Christianity had done more good in the world. And so at the end of the debate, they re-evaluated, re asked the people again on the way out which one they thought won, and Christians lost on both counts. Now, now, obviously, that depends on who the debate drew, right? This is not going to be world. This is not a scientific survey or anything like that. But the people going in said Christianity had done more harm. The people going out said Christianity had done more harm than good uh, in the world. And we say, well, that bunch of hypocrites. What? But think about it. You look back in our history, we've done some pretty tough stuff. Uh, Charlemagne in the 8th century, uh, Christian emperor. This is after Christianity had, was not being persecuted anymore. Christianity becomes the official religion of the Roman Empire. And Charlemagne at one time in one country told people, convert or die. It's Christians. Now, he later, he later rescinded that. Some people, there were Christians who were bold enough and brave enough to call Charlemagne on that and said, dude, that is not the way Christians act. You know, and he, he eventually rescinded that. Uh, there was a guy named Ambrose, great Christian in the early church, a uh, pious Christian, dedicated Christian. And there was a group of Christians in one particular place that burned the synagogue of the Jews, burned it to the ground because, of, because they were Jewish. And the emperor told the Christians, as Christians, you must rebuild the Jewish synagogue. And Ambrose, this godly Christian bishop over hundreds of pastors, told him, no, you, and we have a copy of the letter, do not rebuild that temple to impiety. It's horrible. And, and when Christianity's at its best, we defend the poor and we defend the marginalized and we let God's love help us to reach out to those who, are, who may feel like they're on the outside. But at its worst is when we're prideful and we think we're better and we think we've got it and, uh, and everybody else does it. Martin Luther, one of the great uh, theologians of our faith, God that was willing to die for the doctrine of justification by faith, which means that you can only be saved by faith in Christ and Christ alone, willing to die for that, and was terribly anti-Jewish. Said things that would make you and I blush if we read them out loud today. Even in our forefathers in America, some of them at their best tried to, uh, like William Wilberforce that we talked about last week in England, use his Christian faith, the love of God to help free the slaves in, in England. And yet some of our forefathers in America took the same scriptures and tried to justify slavery. It's not just the failures, not just out there. Failures in here. 
We have to look at ourselves and understand that, that we're part of the thing, that, that we're part of the failure. And the agreement, the agreement we need to make is we need Jesus. Everybody say, I need Jesus. See, see, when we look at it out there, it's one thing. But when we look at it in our own heart, it's easy to say, man, I must not really be saved. I, sh- I should just quit witnessing. I'm no good. You know, I need to give up this Christian thing. But, guys, the failure is calling us to empty us of pride and to be humble and walk with God. And it's not just in the history. I was listening to a guy, Pastor uh, Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church. He was saying that in a sermon one Sunday how... How, you know, that the people that get, you know, when you're in a traffic jam and some people get on the right-hand side, they're on the shoulder of the road and pass their body up and go on to the front of the line. He said, man, I hate those people. <laughs> said, I know I'm supposed to love everybody. He said, he said, I know I'm supposed to love everybody, but I love to hate them. <laughs> he said, those people drive me crazy. He said, they're prideful, they're arrogant, they're narcissistic, they can't wait their turn, and it just really, really gets on my Nerve. So he did make a big deal about that, kind of tongue-in-cheek on a, on a Sunday morning. The next day, everybody say next day. Next day, he was going to church to work at his office, and there was a traffic jam right in front of the church. There was an accident, and it was all, it, everything was kind of messed up, and he was having to wait in the line. And, and, and yet the church property is right there, right there. He's like, it really is kind of my land. <laughs> Our church owns that land, right? It's kind of God's land. You know, and I'm talking about the next day. Pastor Craig pulls out to the right, <laughs> starts passing along, and there was a guy on staff. A guy on staff, uh, Pastor Mark, had his eight-year-old son with him. And when Pastor Craig went driving by, he said, "Look, Dad, it's one of those people Pastor Craig hates." <laughs> and then he said, "It's Pastor Craig." <laughs> Easy to think it's out there, isn't it? You need to remember it's in here as well. Our failure, God used it to empty us of pride and depend on Him. And we make the agreement that God uses flawed and sinful people for His glory. Aren't you glad you can't out God's grace? That's the first thing. First thing is God uses our failure to empty us of pride. And we agree that he still uses it and we can't out God's grace. Second thing we want to see today is that God encourages us to persevere. He encourages us to keep going. He, does, he never says, because you sin, you ought to just quit. He encourages us to persevere. Look at Psalm 37 again. Because, and aren't you glad he does? Because you can get to feeling pretty beat down, can't you? You're feeling pretty bad about yourself. You get to feeling pretty disappointed in yourself. Look what he says. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he fall, that's kind of our theme though. Though he fall, shall not be utterly cast down. That's, what, that's, what, that's the phrase we'll look at right here. Shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The message translation says it this way. If he stumbles, he's not down for long. God has a grip on his hands. And aren't you glad God's got a grip on you? You see, we encourage each other to hold on to God. Keep a grip on God's hand. But what's even more important, God's got a grip on your hand. Somebody say thank you, Lord. Those of you who are parents know this. Well, your parents know this. If you're walking with your child, four, five, six-year-old child, you walk in uh, out at Blue Lake, maybe in the, in, in, in the water, or maybe you're walking in the Gulf, or maybe down a river, a river, or a creek somewhere or another, and you're holding your child's hand, and your child falls, you don't let go and say, 
look, if you can't walk, just try it again. Yeah, that's the best you can do. Have at it, you know. If you're going to... That, that's not what, no, you know that when your child stumbles, you don't turn loose. You hold him a little tighter, don't you? You, you? you pay a little bit more attention to him because the reason you're holding your child's hand is because you know he might fall. <laughs> the reason God holds your hand is he knows you might fall, right? Can't fall outside of his family, can't fall outside of his grace, but you're, listen, don't you know that you're not a better parent than God. You can't be a better parent than God. And so God is holding on to your hand. When Satan beats you up and Satan plagues you with guilt and plagues you with shame and, and tries to get you just to give up and quit and just to feel really, really horrible about things, always remember the agreement is God uses flawed and sinful people. God uses flawed and sinful people for his glory and you can't out God's grace. He has you by the hand. That's the encouragement. The encouragement is Jesus paid for that failure. He knew it before you ever did it. Before you ever stumbled, Jesus knew you would do that. And he'd already paid for that sin. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Already paid for that sin. One morning this week, I was getting ready for my day and I play a little music on Pandora typically while I'm getting ready, just so mercy me or casting crown station. So I want songs that I'm not that, that it's not on my playlist, you know. I want to just see what kind of songs are coming on. And I was uh, you know, I'm a pastor and I've been ordained, and so when I get up in the morning I hear angels' wings and the hallelujah chorus going off. And if you look closely, there's a little kind of a glow around me, you know. Um but it wasn't true that day. <laughs> Those of you who believe that, come talk to me after church. I got, don't talk to Laura or Joel, please. But, uh, man, I just feeling cruddy that day. You ever wake up and feel cruddy? Just feeling cruddy. Uh, you know, like, man, Lord, thought I'd be doing better at 63 years old, you know? Thought I'd be do I see you shocked. I know I look like I'm 45. But why are you laughing? But he's like, yeah, I've been, I don't know, a pastor. I'm, yeah, I've been a Christian for a long time. I thought I'd be doing better these days. And here's the song that came on the right. Aren't you glad that your good shepherd knows how to lead you to what you need just at the right moment? The song says, it was forgivable by mercy me. To the guilty and reckless and the too far gone, you think you don't deserve to even hear the word, child, welcome back home. All the pain you're holding, all the shame that you hide, you think you don't deserve to even hear the words, child, you're still mine. Come as you are, not as you should be. Come to the table, taste and see. There is a love that won't let go. Just look at the cross and you will know. No matter how much you messed up, you are still forgivable. If there's a grace beyond compare to even the ones who nailed him there, then even your guilt, everybody say my guilt. Even your guilt and shame, your worst mistakes can be restored. You are still forgivable. I love that line where it says, come as you are, not as you should be, because what? You'll never be as you should be. Never be as you should be. So we come knowing that Christ paid. That encourages you to persevere. God's not in heaven saying, boy, if you would ever get it together, I'd bless you. That's not the heart of your father. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. You know what else Satan loves to do? He not only loves to beat you down with your sins, but he loves to kind of beat you up over somebody else's sins. Look at there. 
person over there, that's a, I got guy's a pastor, guy's a deacon, the guy's a leader in the church. Look what they did. Look what they said on social media. Look, look what the news is reporting about them. And it's easy when somebody you admire, look up to, and think they're a pretty good Christian, and they stumble and they fall, and Satan loves to come in and say, see, they're nobody's really sincere. Nobody really, they're fake. Nobody's really true. And understand, when you see somebody else fall, just look in your own heart. Say, God, thank you that you didn't kick me out. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that even people I look up to, even people that, that I respect, thank you, Lord, that, that they fall too, and that you love them and that you restore them. And the one thing we don't want to do when somebody stumbles and somebody falls and somebody acts in some unchristlike ways, the one thing you don't want to do is beat them up about it. Beat them over the head, you know. The one thing you want to do is to encourage them to persevere. Encourage them that failure, watch this, is not final or fatal. No matter what it is, no matter what your sin is. Now, it's not good to stay in sin. You want to get up as quick as you can. You see, if you sin and you feel bad and you feel guilty, that's a good thing. That's the Holy Spirit working in your heart. But only feel that way long enough. Confess that to God and anybody else you may have hurt. Make it right with God. Make it right with the people around you. And then say, Lord, thank you that your blood has put me right with you. There was a, a, a bishop about the same time as Ambrose named uh, Basil. And uh, this guy, Basil, was a Christian guy. And he loved the Lord. And, uh, and he had his failures and things too. But you know what Basil did? Basil was an interesting guy. He... Um, he was from a, a high-class society. He was from the noble class of society. And Basil saw people hurting and saw people sick. And, uh, and there, were, there were no hospitals. The, hosp the hospital hadn't been invented yet. And so people, and, and the idea that we should care for the sick and care for the poor and care for those who are hurting, that's a pretty much a Christian idea. And there wasn't anything like that in the ancient world. And Basil started what we believe is the first hospital. Basil said they would go, people said about Basil, they would go out and collect people who were sick and care for them. They couldn't perform the miracles that Jesus performed, but they could love with the love that Jesus and that's what I want to encourage you. We are emptied of pride when we fail. We're encouraged to persevere. The love that we have received, the grace that we have received, we share that with people who don't deserve it, just like you and I don't deserve it. The last thing is it enables us to point to Jesus. It enables us to point to Jesus. You see, we are to make much of him, not of us. We're not the hero of the story. Christ is, right? And so we're to point people to Christ, when we fail and we hurt people and we disappoint ourselves and we let people down, when we get that right, it actually, we can actually use our sin and our failure to point people to Jesus. Let's look at our verse one more time. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Well, who are you to tell somebody about Jesus? Look at you. Look what you've done. Look how you acted. Look what you said. Look what you're struggling with. All these things in your life. How in the world can you tell anybody about Jesus with all the stuff going on in your life? That's the point. 
is, yeah, I got a lot of stuff and I've got more sin than I wish I had. But Christ has forgiven me. Christ has restored me. Christ has given me peace even though I've sinned in those ways. And Christ has given me a joy in the midst of that. And he can do that for you too. It's not a matter of getting your life together. Sure, we want to grow. Sure, we want to progress. But it's not a matter of getting your life together and coming to Christ. It's a matter of saying, thank God, He holds me and He wants to hold you too. Would you reach out and let Him hold you? So here's your weekly growth suggestion. Look for ways to share about God's amazing grace to you that will point somebody else to Jesus. You see... When we're aware of our sin, it's actually kind of a blessing. We're aware of our sin, it helps us to point people to Jesus, right? It helps us to get out of the, well, you know, you really ought to quit drinking. You really ought to quit smoking dope. You really ought to quit doing, running around with that crowd. Now, probably, yeah, if you're smoking dope, you really ought to quit. If you're out drinking, you really ought to quit. And you ought to start, you know, all of that's true. That's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is a relationship with Jesus. Let the grace, the amazing grace who broke, it broke your chains, let that set you free to not live in guilt, not live in shame, not live in what if and how come and I wish I had a. You don't have to live in all that. You're forgiven today in Jesus' name. Share it with somebody else. There was a lady uh, in the early century, around 370, 380 A.D. Her name was Fabiola. Uh, Fabiola, you, unless you're a Christian historian, and a Christian historian told the story to where I heard it, you would never know her name. Uh, Fabiola belonged to one of the seven families that founded Rome. Wealthiest lady of her day. Um, probably the most uh, significant woman of her day. And Fabiola married a guy who was, who was abusive, and, and he was just just horrible guy. Uh, she divorced him, left him, um, probably could have because she was wealthy she did that and later became a Christian became converted she was converted to Christ her heart and life to Jesus and it made a profound impact on her life as I said probably one of the wealthiest women in the world at her in her time and she began to read the New Testament she took following Jesus seriously and she said Lord I want to follow you and as she read and as she prayed and as she looked at it she realized God had forgiven her and God had given her some things she could use to help somebody else and this is what they wrote about uh, Fabiola who ended up giving away almost her entire fortune, established charities all over Italy. This is what one person wrote about her. Need I describe here the various troubles from which human beings suffer? This is in the third century, fourth century now. The maimed noses, the lost eyes, the scorched feet, the leprous arms, the swollen bellies, the shrunken thighs, the lame legs, and the diseased flesh alive with hungry worms. How often did she carry... On her own shoulders, poor, filthy wretches tortured by epilepsy. How often did she wash away the purulent matter from wounds which others could not even endure to look upon? She gave food with her own hand. And even when the man was but a breathing corpse, she would moisten his lips with drops of water. Why? She got emptied of her pride because of her failure. 
she was encouraged to move on because Jesus had forgiven her. And out of the grace that she received, out of the love that she received, she said, Lord, whatever I can do, I want to point somebody else to Jesus. Can you do that this week? Can you do that during vacation Bible school? Can you do that this afternoon with your family? When people point out your sin and your inconsistencies, can you use that and say, yes, don't defend yourself. Yes, I was wrong. But God is so gracious and so loving, has such amazing grace, still holds me by my hand, and he wants to hold you too. Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. This morning as we pray, I wonder if there's a failure in your life that you need to come kneel at an altar and say, oh God, I'm so sorry. Oh God, I'm, I'm sorry, but God, thank you that you've forgiven me. <clears throat> maybe this morning some of you here, maybe some things in your life, you know, you need to get right. Go ahead and get them right. Go ahead and confess them. You've got a father who... You're forgivable. Jesus paid for all of that. Why, why keep living in the shame? Why keep living with the guilt? There's something in your life that God's put his finger on today that you, that you know is not right with him. Confess that. Turn away. Repent. Surrender to him. Ask Christ to take back the throne of your life, the control of your life. And then let him use that for, you, for his glory. Let him use a sinful and flawed person like you for his glory. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you're looking for people who will open themselves up to you, not perfect people. Thank you, Father, when we fall, that you hold us by the hand. And we will not be utterly cast down. Though we fall seven times, Lord, because you hold our hand, we can get back up. And Father, I pray right now for those who have never given their heart and life to Jesus that they would do that this morning. Those who saw the baptisms realize they need to make a very similar decision. I pray they would do that today. Father, I pray for Christians who feel far away from you today, who failed, sinned. I pray for them to, to see the loving heart of Jesus and run back to you today. I pray in their heart they run back to you today. And I pray, Father, for those who, who have confessed their sins. They have surrendered to you. But they feel guilty about sharing their faith. They feel guilty about serving God because of the inconsistency. Lord, help them to know you can use them to point people to you. As Lisa plays softly this morning, the altar.